Amen. Wasn't that good? I'll praise your name, Lord. I love that good song. Thank you so much, Brother Swartz. I want to preach a message this morning I believe will apply to every person, every age, and every stage in life as I preach this morning from the book of Numbers that I love. I love the book of Numbers. <clears throat> it numbers the people, and it says uh, several things about that. First of all, it says everybody's important. <clears throat> And you may read through it and say, wow, why are all these names in here? Why, why, why do we have all these names and tribes and people? Uh, because everybody's important. Second of all, not only is everybody important, everybody has a responsibility. And that's what he talks about in the book of Numbers. And I'll go into more detail as I preach a message that's very practical and very pastoral this morning. Overcoming the frustration in the fight. Overcoming the frustration in the fight. I want you to listen, listen intently this morning. I'd like to have 45 minutes to preach the message. I won't take that much time. I will take about 28 minutes and ask that you listen uh, during that time. Heavenly Father, uh, Father, I pause to pray because I need you so very much. I prayed many, many times this morning on my face before you. And now I ask you again in public that you would fill me with your spirit. Let me be a blessing to the people from the life of Moses as recorded here in Numbers chapter 11. In Jesus' name I pray, uh, amen. Uh, the book of Numbers, of course, deals specifically with the journey of the children of Israel <clears throat> as they've been uh, slaves and now there are a large number of slaves and they've been set free from Egypt and they're on their way to the land of Canaan. Moses has... Moses has that very difficult and daunting, uh, sometimes discouraging task of getting the children of Israel from the land of Egypt uh, to the land of Canaan. Uh, they had been delivered by a mighty hand of God. God had delivered them uh, in a mighty way, and that's a great story in and of itself. God had provided for them as they had made this journey, and he was meeting their every need, though they often complained. He was meeting their every need, and God's provision uh, is another story and a, another subject of, uh, of a great blessing and power, display of power uh, from the Lord. Uh, but Moses uh, comes to the place uh, in this passage of Scripture. He said, Lord, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed. In fact, I'm frustrated by the fact that these folks, no matter what you give them, they're not satisfied and uh, they fuss and they complain. In fact, you'll find uh, several conversations between God and Moses. Moses is upset. He's frustrated. In this passage of Scripture, God is angered at the people uh, for their complaining. Now, let me pause to say uh, this journey... Uh, that the children of Israel had from the land of Egypt to the land of Canaan is a very good picture of our Christian life. It's a very good picture of how you and I journey through life and uh, the difficulties uh, that we face in life. Uh, let me make note, one of the interesting things is God looked back over that journey. He said, I want you to know I sent most of those afflictions and most of those difficulties because I wanted to see what was in your heart. I wanted to know if you love me. Some people love God when everything's going well. He said, I wanted to know if you trusted me. Uh, some folks can trust God as long as they have money in their pocket and the bills are paid. 
He said, I want to know if you really trusted me during the difficult times. So I sent those difficulties to you uh, to try you and see what was in your heart. Very much like the life you and I live today, that journey uh, of the children of Israel represents very much the journey of our life. The specific thing I want us to focus on this morning is the personal frustration that Moses dealt with on this journey and how we can learn uh, from those uh, frustrations and how he overcame them. And let me say this morning, those who are fighting for right, and I'll make several applications in just a moment, those that are in any fight for right are going to deal with a level of frustration. Now, now the purpose of the message is not to tell you that you already knew that. In fact, you're frustrated about it. You already knew about it. Uh, the reason I'm preaching on this, hey, if you don't deal with that frustration, it becomes a discouragement, you're going to quit. We don't need you to quit. We need you to stay in the battle. We need, every, we need every soldier in the battle for good and for right. And when you study the Bible, you'll find that many, many people faced frustrations uh, in life and, and, and we're going to learn from several of those today and one of the things that's interesting when you read Moses' life and you compare it to yours at the, in chapter 10, the last verse Moses is singing the praises of God chapter 11, he quits he goes from a revival meeting on Friday night and he quits the next Monday morning isn't that like our life? Sometimes we fly high and we're so excited and we're overwhelmed by the goodness and the, and the greatness and the blessings of the Lord. And then we face difficulties that we don't want to face or didn't expect to face. And because of that, uh, we become very frustrated and we quickly go from one thing to another. I want to preach this morning uh, uh, some things that will help us to overcome the frustrations uh, in the fight. Now, you're not the only person that faces frustrations in the fight. You're not the only one. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, you will find uh, that most every person that was in the battle for good and in the battle for right, uh, you will find that they face frustrations in their life. Not only Moses, but Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah said, these folks won't listen to a word I'm saying. I haven't had, Lord, a single convert in all of my teaching, in all of my preaching. And he said, I quit. And he, but he couldn't stay quit because there was a fire for that fight that was shut up in his bones. He was, uh, uh, and he wanted to quit, but he couldn't. He wanted to quit because he was frustrated. Uh, there's nobody you can't find in the Bible that didn't have some level of frustration. Peter faced frustration. Uh, Peter had a, had a problem with getting upset at other people and judging and getting mad at other people. And uh, there were times that Peter said, I quit, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to the old life. Uh, you know what's interesting? Even Jesus faced times that appear to be times of frustration. Listen to these words of the, of the Lord Jesus that tells a story about him and what appears to be a time of frustration even in the life of Christ. In Mark chapter 4, uh, the disciples are in a boat with the Lord Jesus and of course they were always busy. They were always working. This particular story, Jesus is taking a nap. 
He's in the hinder part of the ship and he is asleep like some of you this morning. And if you don't wake up, a storm's going to come and I'm going to throw water in your face. And I'm just kidding. And, uh, and, and, and so they're, they're, they're on the boat and a storm comes. Let me, let me read the words to you. The Bible says this. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him. Now this is, this is maybe one of the dumbest accusations that they ever made about Jesus. But they said this. Master, carest not that we perish. Don't you care about us? Now, folks, anybody that would die on the cross to pay for our sins, he cares for us. Let's just go ahead and get that settled and forgotten this morning. He does care about you. I don't know what your circumstances are, but he cares. I don't know what your condition is, but he cares. I don't, I don't know what your worries are, but I know this. You can forget the fact that he doesn't care because God does care for us. But they woke him up and they said, Master, care us not that we perish. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto them, Peace be still. By the way, I got a question for them. The Bible said that the, that the wind was blowing and the, and the waves were terrible and it was filling the boat up with water. Now that's a problem. And they asked Jesus, don't you care? I've got a question for them. Why did you near drown before you woke him up? Why did you wait until the boat was full of water before you prayed? Why did you wait so long? But then Jesus says this, and here's what I want to get to. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It seems that Jesus is frustrated. Now look at me. Anyone attempting to lead in right in some way is going to deal with some level of frustration. If you want to build a strong and a happy marriage, you're going to have some frustration in building a strong and a happy marriage. Even the best are going to face some level of frustration. The rearing of children... Uh, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is a difficult thing, not just in our homes and not just in our church, but in our world today. It's a very difficult thing to rear our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. About the time you get them through those terrible twos, they become a teenager. And uh, who is it Mark Twain said that uh, uh, when, a, uh, uh, when, a, when a child becomes a toddler, you, uh, you put them in a, a box and you drill holes in it, and then when they become a teenager, you fill up the holes. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, it's not an easy task. It isn't. It's not an easy task rearing children. How many of you would agree with me in the rearing of children, there are frustrations? Raise your hand. All right. So we're all on the same page this morning. We face frustrations in the rearing of children. The fight for revival, the fight to get Christians to do right, there are frustrations. In the personal Christian life, I sometimes get frustrated at me in this, in this battle of doing right and fighting uh, uh, to do right. That We sometimes face frustrations. There are many frustrations in uh, politically in this struggle in America. I believe it was this past week or the week before Congressman Green from Tennessee announced that he will not seek re-election and he made this statement. He said, when I came to Washington, I thought that the battle was in Washington, but it is not in Washington, it is with Washington. And he expressed a level of frustration in his battle for right. Now, what are our sources of frustration? What, what, what causes frustration in our life? 
Well, frustration is caused, first of all, by others not doing their part in the fight. You see, when you get in a fight, you want everybody to join you because you want to win. And we sometimes get frustrated because of others that won't join you. Uh, sometimes it's your children uh, that don't want to do right. Sometimes a spouse that struggles and says, I give up. I don't want to battle uh, in uh, building our marriage. Sometimes it's others. Sometimes it's Christians. Sometimes it's citizens around us. We get frustrated because of others not wanting to do their part. Uh, the children of Israel, when they got to the land of Canaan, before they crossed Jordan over into the land, there were two tribes that said, can we just stay here? This is good land for cattle. And, and, and he said, hey, we didn't come all the way across the wilderness for you to stay on this side of Jordan. No, we're going over on the other side. That's a level of frustration that we face when everybody else doesn't want to take part in the victory. It's difficult when you're on a team and one of the team doesn't want to give their best. It's difficult when somebody doesn't show up or somebody has a negative attitude. So sometimes the frustrations are in others. Second of all, sometimes the frustration is in apathy. They don't see the problem or they don't see the danger of the problem or they don't seem to care just so they're cared about themselves. That causes a frustration uh, sometimes we're frustrated because the battle doesn't go like we want it to go. We're, we're not doing as well as we thought we would do. I listened to a sermon this week that was preached in the 70s. And it was in a time when Christian education uh, was exploding. And, and here's what the preacher said. He said, in our battle against public education that is taking God out of the schools and teaching evolution rather than creation. And the preacher said, we had never known the likes of this before. We had never heard of this foolishness, this lying theory of evolution. But now he said... Christian education is exploding and he said some are predicting within 25 years we will have overcome the problem with Christian or with public education. You know what? It didn't turn out the way he thought it would. We're still in the battle. And sometimes we get frustrated because things don't turn out the way we thought they would. Do you know many think that when our forefathers fought in the revolution, when they, thought in the, when they fought in the war for independence from the British, that most colonists supported the effort? Do you realize not 45% of the colonists even supported the American Revolution? Do you know more than half of the colonists wanted to stay under the rule of the British. You understand that more than half of the people, they said, now, now wait a minute, they came here for religious liberty. Now the British is not only controlling the American colonies, the Church of England is taking hold in the colonies and they're now having the same problem that they ran from 
or that they left in the old country and there was a group that got together and said, hey, we need to form our own nation and we need to have independence so that we don't have the control of the British and we don't have the forcing of a state church. We need to have religious liberty and only 45% supported that. A third of the colonists fought for the British. Unlike the Civil War, which pitted regions against region, the War of Independence was neighbor against neighbor. Americans were not only rebelling against their mother country, they were fighting one another. A high percentage of the population died in the American Revolution. In fact, more than in any other war fought by Americans. And as a result, more people who lived through the American Revolution knew someone who died or lost someone in the war. Uh, more than any other war that's been fought uh, that America was a part of. Many colonists switched allegiance and changed sides during the revolution depending on which side was winning. I read this story. One inn, motels in those days referred to as inns, along a well-traveled road in New Jersey, which is today Route 1, the innkeeper each morning would send a servant out to look down the roads each direction and would send that servant throughout the day. If an, army, if an army was spotted, the servant was charged with identifying the colors and raising the corresponding flag to keep the soldiers from burning down the inn or the motel. He said, find out if the colonists are, or if, if, if the colonists are winning or if the British is winning and whichever one you think it is, you make sure you fly that flag because we don't want the other side to burn down our motel, to burn down our inn. Can you imagine the frustration that they faced and no doubt, and, and there were many, they just moved, they just went back to England. I don't know about you, but I'm glad they fought the war for independence and we have religious liberty today. I'm glad that we have the freedom that we have. I'm glad we're not controlled by a state church. I'm glad this morning we have the uh, freedom that you can go to whatever church you want to go to. You can worship according to the word of God and that's important to us today. And I say that because we face frustrations in life. Now, how do we deal with those? And how do we overcome the frustrations that come in the battle for right? Whether it's marriage, the rearing of children, church, or revival, or business, or America. I want to give you, I want to give you five or six statements according to how much time I have here. Uh, first of all, I have to recognize who I am. I have to recognize who I am. Let me tell you who I am. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I am not perfect. I am not the best. And I make, I make mistakes myself. I fail, but I am in the fight. 
You see, frustration often comes by saying, this fellow just doesn't have the right attitude in my fight to do right. And this fellow, he, he, he won't join me. He doesn't come to work before 7, 7.30 in the morning. And, uh, and, and you get frustrated at other people for their failures. I have to recognize, first of all, in frustrations, I have to recognize who I am. Who I am. I'm just a sinner saved by grace doing the best I can do. And there were times that Moses had to realize it wasn't the people that he should have been frustrated at. It was he himself. And he did do that. And Jeremiah the same. And Paul the same. And Peter the same. You see the best of men are men at best. And we must understand that we are not perfect. And there are some times that we too fail. And I can't live in judgment of the world and say... Well, the problems are all the other people. Sometimes I have to recognize I too am at fault. Are you with me this morning? Number two, in dealing with the frustrations in the fight and reading of Moses' life and his dealing with the frustration, I have to understand I can't always see what's going on for good and right. I can't always see the good. Sometimes there's good going on that I don't see. Sometimes there are things that are going on that are for the good and are for the right. They would be an encouragement to me, but I don't know about them. But I must trust that if I'm praying, if I'm fighting to do what's right, if I'm seeking the face of God, God is working on my behalf. He's working on your behalf. A fellow came to me yesterday. We were at a basketball and volleyball tournament, the state tournament for our young people. And a fellow said to me, he said, Brother Fugit, you, you don't know me. Uh, he said, I'm from London. He said, I want to tell you my testimony if you don't mind. And I said, sure. He said, I got saved through uh, the bus ministry. Pastor Gene Huff was my pastor uh, 40 years ago uh, in London. And he said, I'm a pastor now. He said, I want you to know your television program and your radio broadcast is a great encouragement to me and an encouragement to my church. Now, the truth is that story is true in your life and mine, but we don't always know what's going on. We let the frustration get bigger than the fight, and we get frustrated not thinking anything good is happening when the truth is God is working and right is working, and you need to stay in the fight in the rearing of your children. Stay in the fight in the building of a strong marriage. Stay in the fight for revival. Stay in the fight for what's right. Are you with me this morning? I've been concerned about a situation I've been praying for. And uh, I had gotten to the place that I would just, uh, well, to be honest, I was frustrated. And it was bothering me at night. I was, I was just, just thinking about it at night. And I was having a hard time. You know, uh, I was having a hard time not just giving it to the Lord, but leaving it there. It's easy for us to give things to the Lord. We pick them up and take them back with us when we're finished. Sometimes it's difficult for me to just give something to God. And I, I was dealing with a particular issue and I was praying and, and, and I come to the place of frustration about it. I got a telephone call yesterday. And the fellow said, Preacher, I've been praying about something. And, and he said, I've been putting off for a couple of weeks to call you and talk to you about it. And, 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 and what he told me was an answer to the frustration. I thought, you dummy, why didn't you call me? I, I, I mean, dear brother, uh, why didn't you call me? Uh, I mean, my good friend, why didn't you call me two weeks ago and tell me? But you see, God was working in his heart 
God was working in his heart. You understand that the work of the devil is to delay the good news in your life? You find it in the book of Daniel. You'll find examples that the good news and even answers to prayers are delayed by Satan. And you can't always see what's going on. Sometimes we look at a child and we say, I see no hope for that child. I'm about to give up on them. But you don't know what's in their heart and you don't know what's in their mind. We must keep moving forward in the fight for what's right. Number three, I am not the judge of all. God is. I have a hard time staying in my lane sometimes. Sometimes I don't just want to pray to God. I want to be God. Job had that situation in his life. Job did not. By the way, Job was not only a good man, a righteous man. Job was a judge. That's who he was. People came to him for judgment of right and wrong. And so when difficulty and problems came to Job's life, Job began to reason them out as his own judge of life situations. And he began to feel sorry for himself. Oh, but you get to those chapters in the book of Job where Job begins to have conversation with God. And God said, Job, uh, you're in charge, huh? He said, yep, 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 I'm in charge. He said, Job, you know, I don't remember. But you know, when I was creating the world, I don't remember you being there, Job. Well, Job said, well, I, I wasn't there then. And boy, God takes about three chapters and puts him in his place. Are you with me this morning? I'm not the judge of all God is. God uses things in life that I wouldn't use and things I don't understand. It's my job to understand I am not the judge of all. I'm not preaching to you this morning. I'm trying to help all of us because, dear friend, you're looking at a preacher that's been in a fight all of his life because I want what's right. I want what's right for our children. I want what's right for our young people. I want what's right for our family and our marriages and our church. I want what's right in my nation, and I get frustrated at those that seem don't, don't have the right attitude or the commitment and things don't turn out the way that I desire for them to. I have to open this book and go before God. And I find that passage of Scripture where God said, Now, Job, I know you're a judge, but you're just a small-time judge. I'm a big-time judge. And so I have to understand I'm not the judge of all God is. I think of Isaiah when the king died. His heart was broken. He looked at the throne, and the throne was empty, a man of righteousness, and he wondered and he worried what would happen in the future. Oh, but then in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah's eyes were lifted above the throne and he saw not just a temporary throne he saw the eternal throne of heaven and he said oh God you're the judge you're the one that's in control of all things and so number three I say this morning for me to deal with the frustrations of life I must understand that God is the judge of all let me give you the fourth practical thing from the life of Moses even if it seems I'm losing, it's right for me to take my place in the fight for right. Even if we lost, I want to give my life for fighting for revival. Even if America doesn't have a national revival, 
I'd rather give my life for a cause that's good than to sit and wait until Jesus returns having given no effort at all. You see, right is always a fight. Peace is temporary. Victory is temporary. Uh, battles are, are, are constant. They're always taking place. The war for independence lasted seven long years. And there were times it appeared that America would not gain its independence. And by the way, in those days, there were men that gave up uh, not only fame, but they gave up fortune. They gave up everything they had so that our nation be could become a sovereign nation uh, built on the principles of the Word of God. And that's why you hear that phrase, America built on the Judeo-Christian principles of the Word of God. Thank God for those. They didn't give up the fight even if they didn't think they were going to win. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Your children are worth fighting for. America's worth fighting for. Right is worth fighting for. Let's not determine whether we win or lose. Let's just go ahead and get in the battle and do what's right until Jesus comes. I'll give you the fifth and obvious thing. We need to call on the Lord daily to help us in prayer. And when we call on God in prayer, we need to give him time to work. Sometimes we're impatient with God. We, 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 go, we go to God in prayer like we go through a drive-thru and we get frustrated if we have to wait. Yesterday, uh, my wife and I, uh, we got in a drive-thru and uh, it was one of those deals, you know, and they advertise, order on your phone and be ready when you get there. Why, they sent me a note and said, it was 422, said be ready at 426. I thought, man, this is awesome. I'm moving on up. I'm smart as a teenager. I know how to use this thing. They didn't say anything about having to wait in a line with 200 cars in it. And, 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 and my coffee was ready at 426. It was cold at 445 when I got it. <laughs> hey, that's just the way life is. But we sometimes go to God in prayer and we, we just stand there and wait like we put in a 50 or 75 or a dollar and a half in a vending machine. And we wait for the answer to drop out. May I say this morning, when we come to the place of frustration in life, Moses went to God and God gave Moses the answer. He said, Moses, I want you to call 70 men. And God took those 70 men and he took the heart, he took the fire, he took the passion, he took the ability of Moses and he put it in those 70 men. And those men helped Moses to accomplish the task that God had given to him. Go to God in prayer and be patient for the answer. And last of all, and I must, and I must stop right here, Moses talked to others, and in his particular case, it was his father-in-law. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, first of all, he cared about Moses, and that was a blessing to Moses. And then he gave him counsel and help that helped him. And I want to say this morning, if you're, fa if, well, if you're in a fight, you face frustration. Let's not get our answers from the world, and let's dead sure not quit. Let's look at the word of God and say, what did they do when they faced frustration? And that's the answer. And that's what Moses did. And that's what we can do. Aren't you just glad to be in the battle? Aren't you glad to be in the fight? I sure am. Stand with me if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your Savior. You ought to trust him as your Savior this morning. 
Victory cannot begin in, in your life until you receive victory in salvation. You hear this morning as a Christian, you're facing difficulties. And I've, I've counseled with so many and I've, I've communicated some personally, some by way of letter or text, email this week. And so many, you, you, you're facing battles either with yourself or in your marriage or your children or in business. If you're not careful, your life will be about the frustration rather than the fight. Let's stay in the fight for right. Heavenly Father, help us this morning and help us to take the Bible answers. Help, this is not the power of positive thinking. This is power of faith in you. And that's what we need this morning. And I pray that you'd help us as we now make a decision as to what we'll do with the truth we've heard. I pray we'll receive it. I pray we'll live it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As he sings on the invitation song this morning, dealing with the frustrations of life. Oh.